You're listening to a podcast edition of Closer to Truth. For more information about this series, visit our website, closertotruth.com. I follow extrasensory perception, ESP, though I remain skeptical of its disruptive claims. Here's why. If ESP were real, it would seem to transcend space and time, radically restructuring our sense of reality. The physical world could no longer contain all that exists. I'd be pleased, thrilled which is why I must remain skeptical. Most people assume ESP is real. Most scientists assert it is not. My question is different. I'll assume for the moment that ESP is real, then ask, how could ESP happen? What are even possible mechanisms? How could our minds know stuff or do stuff, not only beyond our senses, but beyond the laws of physics. How could ESP work? I'm Robert Lawrence Kuhn, and Closer to Truth is my attempt to find out. Here's why I seek to discern how ESP could work. If ESP's mechanisms could be physical, even beyond today's physics, then ESP would be wholly subject to science. If its mechanisms could not be physical, then ESP would not be wholly subject to science. This would mean that either ESP does not exist at all, or ESP must be non-physical. Because I focus on how ESP could work, not on whether ESP is real, I have an ideal person with whom to begin. I go to the University of Cambridge, England, to meet Brian Josephson, Nobel laureate in physics and longtime ESP researcher. Brian, let's say I give you that the paranormal exists. There is something beyond physics that really does manifest itself with telepathy and clairvoyance and all of that. How could it possibly work? When I first had discussions with a colleague about it, I I became aware of a connection because quantum physics is sort of pointing us to what Einstein called spooky actions at a distance. Mm -hmm. So we shouldn't think of it as strange. Physics apparently doesn't give us models of how it should happen. We probably need to include new dimensions of reality, as it were, to to get that. Certainly agree, because Mm. in quantum physics, although you can have spooky action in a distant, non-locality, you can't transmit information. You cannot. Mm. And paranormal telepathy is transmitting information. That's true, but one hypothesis you can make, though, is that it doesn't work normally because it's um, drowned by the quantum noise. And So if you had a more coherent kind of state, you might be able to get paranormal things to happen. In ordinary science, there's something called heat death, which says that if you leave a system, it will go to some kind of equilibrium and then you can't turn the thermal energy into work. There's a quantum analogue, quantum heat death. And once you've gone to that kind of equilibrium situation, you can no longer transmit information in a paranormal sort of way. But you haven't reached that equilibrium. Uh, You're no longer in this 
heat death situation and you can do paranormal things. What about the vast disparity in orders of magnitude in where quantum effects are real at the nuclear and subnuclear mm -hmm. level, but the brain works many, many orders of magnitude larger in terms of neurons and synapses. Well, it's now becoming accepted that there are um, some quantum effects um, in biology, say, photosynthesis. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, it's now believed to involve some coherent connections over quite a distance. So when you come into it, this barrier doesn't really exist. So you see biology as uh, more fundamental to reality than most scientists. Uh, yes, a bit like electricity. Um, you, you might not have realized electricity existed, but it's a regular mm. kind of physical phenomenon, similarly with biology. But just as electricity can have big effects, so can biology. I'm still trying to get a mechanism for the paranormal if you're saying that there's more uh, fundamental nature mm. in biology. So ha ha connect, mm. connect the dots here. Well, it may be that the sort of real situation is things can get about very quickly, but this is obstructed in some way, but biology can organize things so that it, so it happens. So coherence that does it, as it were, has major effects, just as you can do things with lasers that you can't do with ordinary light. Right. So to carry through that analogy, you're saying that the paranormal is something that is, is more natural but it gets blurred by other mm. stuff. But yeah. biology has a way of, of reordering or apprehending the physical world and can bring it back, something like that? Yes, and there may be a, a real battle between the power of a person with psychic abilities and somebody able to disrupt psychic abilities. And perhaps in the materialistic mind, perhaps there's a lot of obstruction going on so they won't see paranormal things. And obstruction is an unconscious thing or a desire for it not to occur? I mean, it seems like a pretty mm. weak phenomena if somebody's desire for it not to occur can, can unoccur it. Well, of course, if paranormal things are the case, then, then they're, they're actually using paranormal powers to stop something oh, happening. But, but at it's fundamental level, without disruptions, how is the paranormal being, being transmitted? Probably a question like, uh, what is the nature of the electric field? I mean, if it's just... In physics, you stop asking how questions at a certain point and just say the, these are laws. The assumption that you can get to some ultimate level may be incorrect. So, so what is the ultimate law that enables paranormal? There may be an assumption there because all laws may be emergent. and right. So things rearrange themselves and particular laws appear. So there's a question that may not have any real answer. To Brian... The paranormal is a normal part of the world, though it's a world in which physics is expanded radically. I respect Brian highly, but I just don't see how the physical world could handle ESP's apparent capacity to transcend space and time. Nonetheless, though still skeptical, I follow the trail and explore potential mechanisms that could make ESP work. I go to a cosmology conference in Iceland to meet physicist Lawrence Krauss. Lawrence, ESP parapsychology, two kinds of issues. One, what is the data like? Controversial, very small effect at best. Is it real? Except All right, let's it's not go to controversial. But I'm interested in, in, in problem two. If it's real, how could it possibly well, work? Well, you know, let's start with problem one. And, and then I've spent a lot of time thinking about problem two. As a physicist, that's the question okay. you want to ask. All right. But the reason you're fa fascinated by it, and I, and I have been, is 
we all kind of want there to be more out there than meets the eye. Right. That's behind a lot of, of science. We look around the universe and we think, wouldn't it be great? Because the universe of our experience is kind of, has, is pretty bad at times. We all want there to be more out there. It's always temptingly just beyond the edge of measurement. But of course, it's not controversial at all. There's no scientific evidence for extrasensory perception. That alone doesn't mean it doesn't exist, it just means there's no positive evidence for it. But the second question that you ask is, is more interesting. So if ESP were gonna be true, what would be required? We have five senses that we know of and there could be lots of things we can't see. We've developed technologies that allow us to see things that are unbelievably small. The first thing being that many people who argue for ESP don't realize is that everything we know of falls off with distance. If you're thinking and somehow your thoughts are generating something, it should be easier for me to detect them here than on the other side of this lagoon. And there's no evidence of fall off in, in, in any Even the people in ESP tell you there's no fall off. Exactly, and that already makes it suspect. But then the question is, okay, if you're generating some signals, what signals are you generating that I could detect? Well, the first thing you might think of is currents are involved in the brain, electric charges, electromagnetic waves. We're generating electromagnetic signals. Great, except there's nothing more detectable than electromagnetic signals. With the Arecibo radio telescope in, in, in Puerto Rico, we could detect a light bulb on Jupiter, okay? So if your brain were generating something that I should be able to detect, then we could be able to build detect sensors that would detect the, even the smallest possible electromagnetic signals. We don't. Therefore, whatever brain waves you're sending that I should be able to detect are not electromagnetic in origin. I think what you're doing is absolute and, and, and for sure but it does not eliminate ESP. What it eliminates is one methodology, how ESP okay, can be but, transmitted. But, but let's go to the other that's all you say. So now, let's say it generates something so minuscule that no detector I could develop could detect it. Well, now there's a problem there, and it, it's a pro central problem of physics. It, you can't have your cake and eat it too. For example, we could detect particles called neutrinos. These weird particles that are going right through your body as we're speaking here, generated by the sun, they go right through the earth on average without interacting once. They go through a light year of lead. A light year of lead, in fact, in, but yet we can detect them. So that's amazing. That means we can detect things that are so weakly interacting that they could not be possibly the carriers of ESP because if, you, if your mind generated neutrinos, <laughs> most of them would go right through my head without yeah. ever detecting. If you can generate something that's extremely weak, yes, it could escape all sensors. But if it was extremely weak, then my brain, which is nothing other than a sensor, wouldn't be able to detect it. So the weaker you make it so that it avoids all empirical bounds, the less likely it will be effective as a form of communication. Some would say also that it's independent of time, that you're able to have precognition and know the future in the same way that you can know distance. Yeah, and, but I've given an argument why that's not the case. And that is that there's so few billionaires on Earth. If I could know the future a day from today, then I would just have to invest a little bit of money to know, in, know stocks that increase by 2%. And then all, within two years, I'd be richer than Bill Gates. But none of the statistical studies have ever passed muster among those people who really like the statistics. I, 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 I've heard it both I, sides. I'd love I, it. I, and that's the other thing we have to remember. It's like the X-Files. You know, we want to believe. We want to believe. And that's the biggest Agreed. thing that experimentalists have to remember right. is that anytime something happens to us it seems significant right, sure. and we have to allow for the possibility that it's just an accident right. the bottom line is there's no evidence for it that's compelling and every time i think of a physical mechanism for it it fails and so <laughs> given all of that it's highly unlikely
Lawrence not only denies ESP's statistical viability, he argues that any potential ESP mechanisms are either not detected or too weak to be effective. But what if ESP is in some sense real? Then some kind of mechanism would have to exist. Would ESP then reveal a more magical reality? Magical? Whenever I sense magic starting to surface, though I may be intrigued, I scurry to a skeptic. One of my favorites is philosopher of science, Michael Shermer. Michael, let's say that some of these phenomena work, that there is such a thing as telepathy. How could it possibly work? Okay, let's go, go ahead and I'll take the assumption. What if it turns out that there's some mechanism in the brain that is linked to some force that operates on some other brain and we can read thoughts or send thoughts or something like that? That's not paranormal. That's now just in the realm of the normal. So if there's really something there, then a parapsychologist is actually just going to be a psychologist who's discovered some new force. And as yet, they haven't done that. You're saying that everything that is untrue is in somebody else's definition. If it ever becomes true, it just comes into your camp. This is the fate of the paranormal. It <laughs> disappears. Let's take an example. Uh, the you know, popular theory about uh, quantum mechanics influencing the firing of neurons and that uh, somewhere right down there at the molecular level, then maybe a, a consciousness can influence that, and all our thoughts sort of go in the same direction, so, something like that. And that we then discovered what the mechanism is. It turns out here's this new model, this new theory that explains all this with biochemistry and physics. That's just science. The it's difference is if, it, if it's explained by biochemistry and physics, certainly true. But if it has to be explained by something outside the parameters of space and time, then it is something beyond, as we've defined it today, uh, the physical world. Okay, but how can science get at that? If it's beyond space and time, science only deals in space and time. So right. what would that be? Meditation, prayer, uh, thoughtful reflection? Uh, yeah, who knows how it happens. hallucinogenic drugs? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, if you're not God, and we're not, how do you get to the other world beyond space and time? Well, the question is whether these phenomena are outside space and time. If something can be known today that will indeed happen in the future, that is something that seems to be not being able to be founded on our physical laws today. Right. We do assume naturalist, we, we take a naturalistic assumption in science that we're operating in this world with the natural known forces and you can always say, yeah, but this effect I want to explain is explained by, by some supernatural force or some force outside of space and time. End of conversation. It's a showstopper for science. Michael sees no evidence for ESP that needs explaining. But even if such evidence were to emerge, he would still position ESP mechanisms within naturalism because only science can explain how things work. I'm not so sure. I'm not convinced that naturalism accesses all reality. But I wouldn't mind some reinforcement. I visit parapsychologist Charles Tart, who describes events and forces that are supernatural. Charlie, human psychic abilities, if they're real, seem to indicate that there are some non-physical things. Now, if there are, that opens up potentially another world. Religion talks about it in all different forms. Certainly we have human spirit or soul. We have gods. A lot of people who had out-of-the-body experiences 
mentioned not only that they have a second body, a non-physical body, which is like their ordinary physical body, but they were wearing pajamas. Some people are willing to attribute a soul to you, but to your pajamas? <laughs> and yet the pajamas seemed real on that particular level of experience. So it makes you think that our expectations may control a lot of what seems to have an independent existence on a psychic level. So now if we take that data, we, we, now, we would say that, that the human being can have a, a non-physical soul that has an out-of-body experience, and, and we can say that pajamas could exist in a non-physical world if, if you believe that. But I'm very prejudiced. I'm not willing to give your pajamas a soul. Okay. <laughs> that may show a limitation on my part, perhaps, okay? But it certainly does seem like there's a quasi-solid, uh, semi-solid level of psychic existence where your beliefs influence what you see. Now, your religious beliefs may particularly do that. We can investigate it by having people who don't have particularly a priori beliefs about the way things should be try to enter these particular psychic areas or altered states or whatever they are and give you independent descriptions. Example. One of the most interesting thing about near-death experiences is that uh, so many people with very different belief systems described very similar characteristics as to what the near-death experience was like, which made you feel that it was something with some reality of its own, not just some kind of hallucination controlled by your own beliefs. To me, that's really interesting to get a handle on what it might be there. Let me give you a specific example. In the years of remote viewing experiments where people have clairvoyantly attempted to describe unknown targets, there have been several occasions where the target has ended up being something with a nuclear reactor in it. Sometimes the descriptions have been good enough for judges to identify what the target is in terms of its ordinary physical characteristics, but also all these things, the remote viewer has said something like, there's a star inside this thing. That's very interesting. Maybe in some kind of psychic space, that's the way a nuclear reaction appears. By getting independent confirmation of these kinds of things, we may be able to decide what the psychic characteristics of various things are. It's a big project, and it's going to take a long time. Perhaps Charlie's ESP can manage independence from space and time, but the cost is high, a complete divorce from physical laws. But all ESP, the best of it seems, well, like straggling anecdotes strung together, too thin to make a difference. I find myself disappointed, less reinforced than I'd expected. My hope diminished that ESP opens up new realities. But still, ESP challenges the scientific establishment of naturalism and materialism, because if any ESP is real, we'd have a worldview revolution. What would such a revolutionized worldview imply? Say, for information acquisition, the essence of self, the nature of time. I ask a senior ESP scientist, a former president of the Parapsychology Association, Dean Radin. The neurosciences have shown that the operations of the brain appear to give rise to consciousness and to all of the cognitive processes that go on inside the brain. Uh, what ESP suggests is that that model may well be true, but it doesn't say much about how the information gets in the head in the first place. 
if it's not true that all of the information comes in through the senses, then we've overlooked something potentially very important. So let's assume that somehow we're able to perceive things that don't go through the senses, but we, we perceive it in some other way. And if such a thing were to be true, what are the implications? One of the implications is that what we think of as our self, with a small s, whatever's in there, is not completely in there because I would be influenced by things which are outside my sensory apparatus. So that raises the possibility of something like a collective self. Another possibility is that the, since the information in ESP also flows through time, apparently, then perhaps our models of the way that time flows is not completely correct when it comes up to the macro scale. So we know that at the, the level of fundamental physics, the time is symmetric, both in classical and quantum mechanics. It's, time can flow in either direction. So it's not so mysterious why time would behave in a strange way at that level. But the mystery then is that if it also was occurring up at this level, at the macro level, then how, how do we understand that? If it is true that, in fact, things like precognition are real, it says that we don't understand something fundamental yet about the passage of time. So precognition is a form of perception, getting information from A to B, except A is at a different time, presuming A is outside yourself and B is in here somewhere. A is either forward in time or backwards in time, from, from where you think you are. Particularly if it's forwards in time, no one today has knowledge of it. It's backwards in time, maybe, maybe you're getting a reading from someone else in some other way. Even backwards in time is serious depending on where the information comes from. Okay. If it's your own backwards in time, what well, we call it memory. Yeah. But if it's somebody else's backwards in time... But then it may be telepathy as opposed to... It, there are a lot of other explanations that could come to right. play. It's true. Right. So the only one where there, there's a, a direct mystery in a sense <laughs> is something from the future. Okay. And that in itself is interesting because then we don't know whether you're seeing a probable tendency for something in the future mm -hmm. or the actual future itself. So you've, you've now categorized two remarkable uh, uh, worldview transformations. What is the nature of the self? And what is the flexibility in this thing we call time? And then there's a third. The third is that we ordinarily think of being encapsulated in our body, in which case our intentions are translated into our actions internally. Mm -hmm. And they don't leak outside. If ESP is true, then one of the categories is psychokinesis, which is a mind-matter interaction. If that data is true, then it suggests that the same act of intention that I wish to do this with my hand can be expressed out in the world in some way. Of the systems that have been measured from random events to single-celled organisms to other human beings, it appears as though the same kind of intention that I use to make things happen in me can affect the outside world as well. What might be an experimental indication that this is worth pursuing? The first one where information may come to me that is not through my sense organs. Easiest one there is an experiment on telepathy. These experiments, you take two people, you isolate them from each other, you assign one of them a target picture, typically, and try to have them inject their mental image of the picture they're looking at into the other person's mentation. The receiver in this experiment is asked to speak aloud, anything that comes to mind. And what they speak aloud typically is taken by a one-way radio to the other person who's trying to transmit and trying to influence their thoughts. Mm. So it's kind of a biofeedback system mm. of a weird type. Let's go to the second one, precognition. What would an experiment be? One type of precognition experiment is called presentiment. So in presentiment, you would ask somebody to sit down in front of a computer, they would press a button, the computer just waits five seconds, and all meanwhile you're measuring their skin conductance or their heart rate or something like that. 
And then the computer makes a random decision to show either an emotional or a calm picture. A presentiment effect would predict that if you can somehow see what your future contains, and it's a very emotional picture, that your body will begin to gear up because of the, the shock you're about to get. But if you're about to get a calm picture, then you would remain calm. So these experiments have been done. That's exactly what they show. So these experiments would tend to indicate the kinds of radical interpretation you talked about, the extension of the self, the change in our sense of time, and then also the effect of, of mind on matter. That's right. In other words, you know, there's, here's three major things that science has yet to deal with. There are probably others. To grasp ESP, its possible reality and potential implications, I do not start with data or statistics. I start with possible mechanisms for how ESP could work, including quantum mechanics, non-locality, and observer participation. Electromagnetic signals of some kind. Three problems, space, time, measurement. Space. All physical forces diminish with distance. The further away, the weaker. But ESP does not diminish with distance. Time. Although time in physics is symmetrical, time in theory can run backwards as well as forwards, how could information from the future be transmitted? Measurement. Scientists detect incredibly weak signals of all kinds, but ESP signals are not among them. Moreover, minuscule ESP signals would be way too weak to cause changes in the brain. To me, the consequences seem clear. Either ESP does not exist, because there is no mechanism by which ESP could work physically, or ESP does exist, but the mechanism by which ESP does work is not physical. One or the other is closer to truth. To watch complete conversations with over 100 of the world's leading thinkers on cosmos, consciousness, and meaning, visit our website, closertotruth.com.